Good morning, church. Good morning, church. All right. Uh, thank you, Philip. Yeah, there you are. Thank you, Philip, for the reading of the word this morning. Okay. Uh, we are going to be discussing and we are going to be pondering over one of the most important commandments that the Lord has given each and every disciple. So if you and I are disciples, then this is for us. You know, I've been, uh, I've been thinking of what to speak on with regards to the Great Commission because we have heard and we know what the Great Commission is in general. Uh, and over the last weeks and months, I've been, I've been thinking of uh, what exactly uh, does the Lord want to want me to speak. And I've been listening to a lot of messages. I've been reading through. Uh, many of many of the books that are written on the on this topic and honestly i wanted to give due credit to uh, the authors and also those who have listened to be it um, billy graham's great the great commission speech or be it burke parsons or be it bill mounts that we are the curriculum that we are referring to uh, but i'm hoping and praying that it's not neither of them or I who's just speaking to us this morning, but it's the Holy Spirit that is speaking to us specifically this morning. So if you have been listening to the last few weeks, we have come to the end of the gospel story. Jesus has died to provide forgiveness for our sins. And he has died to provide us access to God And he has been raised from the dead to show us that he has victory even over death. Now, this context is really important because it is within this context of Jesus' death and resurrection that the disciples go north of Galilee to wait to see Jesus. It is important to remember this context when we look at the Great Commission because Sometimes what happens is we become really detached from this context and look at the Great Commission just as those four, three, four verses. The God who is going to give this Great Commission is Jesus who died, who was raised again. And with all that wonder and amazement and glory, the disciples are now going to, to north of Galilee and they're going to meet Jesus. And the crux of the Great Commission is in Matthew 28, was 16 to 20, where we read, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. And I would request you all to look at your Bibles if you have, because that's where we learn uh, the most. So in Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, we read, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. which means some were hesitant. Maybe they didn't know how to respond to how to respond to Jesus. And now Jesus comes to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus' command, what we call the Great Commission, is not only to the 11, 
and we have heard it earlier and we know it earlier that the great commission is equally applicable for us us who call as his disciples and the great commission commission stands at the conclusion of the gospel and it stands at a, as a commission to all disciples of all times those who have those disciples who have ever lived those who are in this room today and those who will ever live as disciples of jesus so that's the context and with that understanding is where we go to verse 18 of chapter 20 28 and verse 18 says and jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me now the first few words of the of verse 18 are important we don't want to jump in right into the part that says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me because before saying that jesus comes to them and comes over to them and what does he do now here's where we remember the context because in the context the previous verse shows us that some of the disciples were hesitant even fearful maybe doubting maybe lacking faith and maybe nervous about what he was going to say to them is he going to talk to them about how they have let him down is he is jesus going to mention to them their sins about how they doubted him how they denied him or how they scattered away from him is he going to scold them or rebuke them but we note here that jesus doesn't do any of these things he doesn't bring up their past sins he doesn't point a finger to them and say you faithless disciples he said that a while back but when he comes now after the resurrection he doesn't say that and he comes and speaks to them words of assurance and this is significant this is important and this is significant not just for the disciples but it is significant for us because many of us or most of us when we walk our christian walk of faith we don't feel we are equipped or we don't feel we are equipped enough and we don't feel we are worthy we don't feel we are good enough to be part of the fulfillment of the great commission that the messiah has laid on us we feel that this is for someone else who has much more faith or who are much more perfect than we are and we often doubt ourselves or we are timid and we are worried about what people would think of us you know it's it's tough to say hard hitting truths to people because we don't want to hurt their feelings right we don't want to upset anybody we are all happy with people being happy with us and so with the great commission we need great assurance and we need a certain measure of confidence not a confidence not a self confidence that comes from myself or ourselves but a confidence a strength a boldness where we care more about what god says than what man would think of us it's a boldness that comes only by the holy spirit by the power of the holy spirit and it's a strength and it's a confidence that comes only by the lord giving us that strength and that confidence to overcome our timidities and our fears and so jesus comes and speaks to them and what does he say he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me you know i'm reminded of uh, what paul says in uh, chapter 
uh, of, of to the Philippian church. Uh, he says, God has highly exalted and bestowed on him, him is Jesus over here, the name that is, a, that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. All authority, all authority in the universe has been given to Jesus. So Jesus is Lord, Jesus is sovereign, Jesus is king, and Jesus is the boss. And he's sovereign over absolutely everything. It is easy for us to say these words, but I want to invite all of us this morning to think through what this really means, because it is within this context of his authority that he's going to utter the Great Commission. And that is very important. So what does he mean to say that all authority has been given to Jesus? It means that God is sovereign. That means that he is sovereign over the natural world. He is sovereign over the largest things of the world, be it volcanoes or mountains or earthquakes or tornadoes. And he's also sovereign over the smallest things of the world, be it our DNA. He's also sovereign over COVID-19 and the mutating variants that we hear every six months that come into existence. He's also sovereign over human authorities. He's sovereign over human authorities that are close to us, like our cities and uh, the authorities in our nation. He's sovereign over the political forces, even those forces that seek to kill an unborn child. Though honestly, it's a little hard for me to grasp that. God is in charge of North Korea. God is in charge of even the Al-Qaeda network. And he's not surprised. He's not, he knows what is going on and he is sovereign. And not only that, he's sovereign over the spiritual world. He's sovereign over the demons and Satan. And he's sovereign over even religions around us, the multiple religions around us. And it says, and someday all of these people will kneel in submission during judgment because Jesus, to whom all authority has been given, this Jesus is the one whom all are going to kneel before. Jesus is sovereign even over every part and every system within ourselves. Jesus is sovereign over our desires and goals. Jesus is sovereign over our money and time. He is sovereign over our abilities and even our disabilities or dysfunctions. Our past, our future. He's sovereign over our children. He's sovereign over our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers. I'm hoping you get the idea. He is sovereign. And he's sovereign over all. And it is this Jesus to whom all authority has been given, who says to you and me, go. Go make disciples. Go make disciples of all nations. And when we come to that part, it says the command of the commission, we hear the word go. Now go is the participle that is being used. And that means it is a command for us to go. So where are we to go? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So that means that we are to go to all nations. We are to go to all peoples. We are to go to all languages. We are to go to the unreached people groups. And we are to also go to the reached people groups. 
we had to go to the reach people groups and continue training continue discipling continue helping to mature continue helping them to mature and grow in the word of god and the example of christ and also we had to go to unreach people group and the unreached nation so that they can hear so that they might know that they might believe so that they might worship now notice that jesus doesn't say go to the nations is that what it says in the bible let's say go to the nations he very precisely says go and make disciples of all nations notice that jesus doesn't say go and evangelize he doesn't say go and make converts he doesn't say go and do some mega crusade crusade and he doesn't even say go and give a gospel tract he says go and make disciples now let's be careful here we need to be careful because evangelism making converts sharing a gospel tract or even holding crusades all these are part and parcel of making disciples but the mistake that many people make the mistake that many christians many churches and many even mission organizations have made that across many years that without looking at what exactly the great commission fully entails they have come to the conclusion that the great commission is only about evangelism or it's only about making converts now here is the hard reality we have gone and evangelized or a missions agency has gone and evangelized and made converts but we or they have not fulfilled the great commission entirely if we have held crusades or one time events and we have seen people come to christ we have not fulfilled the great commission the great commission is only fulfilled when we are making disciples as the new testament defines what a disciple is discipleship is hard and it takes time and it's not easy it means collective training and it also means face to face one on one training and as we'll see later on the verse it's not just teaching people things it's not just telling people things it's not just proclaiming things it's actually teaching and proclaiming and doing the hard work of training see it's it's not just doing a bible study it's it's actually walking with people coming alongside people arm in arm in arm hand in hand walking with them and pointing them to christ exemplifying the life of christ even in our own lives and as paul said follow me as i follow christ so what does this really mean let me give you a few examples see sometimes it is whether we are dealing with you know a demanding boss or we are helping our teenager to practice practical steps in their faith or it is even sometimes encouraging somebody who's going through anxiety we live with them or we live among them we'll show it show what it means to love the lord and follow the lord what it is to bear fruit in the lord what it is to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel what it is to forgive what it is not to grow bitter against another christian all these as we do this and as we do this here or as we do this there or wherever we do this wherever wherever we are called to go and do 
we fulfill the great commission by making disciples through proclaiming, through teaching, through training, through discipleship, through mentoring, and showing them paths to what it is. It means to know God, to love God, and to follow his ways. This is what Jesus did, didn't he? What did he do? He made disciples. He took common, common ordinary people like you and me. He took them and trained them. He lived on earth doing multiple things and the disciples followed him, learned his ways. They listened to his commands and they saw how he interacted with people. And so this is to be the work of the Great Commission. Make disciples. But you know what? It's sad to say that in the, in the world today, that we have done a bad job or a poor job in making disciples. People think that if, if they just get certain doctrines right, or if, if they can just affirm certain doctrines, or if they can just get members to attend meetings, then they have made disciples or we have made disciples. It's important to point out that coming to church attending meetings, learning right doctrine is all in fact always of how each and every faithful member of the church is in part fulfilling the great commission. Because when we come together to worship, when we come together to study the word of God, when we get on our knees to pray, when we teach our children things of God and pray with them in the things of God, then what are we doing? We are fulfilling the great commission. So as we go and make <clears throat> disciples, making disciples within our homes, in our church, and as we ourselves are striving disciples to learn the word of God and things of God in the example of Christ, and as we go to the nations and make disciples, we are called to take our lives, take our money, take our time, take our energies, and give ourselves to this most important commandment that Christ has given us to make disciples. And while we need to remember to go or send people to the nations, to unreached people groups, we also need to consider that the nations are around us, especially in a metropolitan city like Bangalore. You know, some of us spend time, I've, I know I've spent time uh, in various stages of our life wondering about the will of God. It is pretty simple. It is the will of God that we go out and make disciples. And in whose strength do we go and make disciples? Notice that in verse 19, it starts with go therefore. And the word therefore means there is something that happened prior to that, right? What, what happens prior to that? It is because all authority has been given to Jesus that he can tell us not only what we ought to do, but what we must do. So we don't need to seek permission per se, but we have been given permission and we have not only been given permission, we have been given authority to do this. Now, I know that talking about the Great Commission sets off red flags between in some of us. The Great Commission applies to each and every one of us who calls ourselves disciples or who's a believer. And there is no one exempt from that. For some of us, God's call in our life will be such that we will go because we are to be making disciples of all nations. But the Great Commission equally applies to those who, of us who stay because our nation is among 
all the other nations or a part of all the other nations. So whether we go or stay, the great commission is equally the same. We are to make disciples. Either blooming where we are planted or uprooting ourselves and planting ourselves somewhere else. So the great commission stands at this conclusion, at this culmination of the gospel story. And it is within this context of Jesus' supreme authority and power that he calls us, each one of us, to go and make disciples. The question is, how do we go and do that? How do we go and make disciples? And fortunately, Jesus continues and tells us that we, that how we make disciples. And it's at least a two-step process. Let's look at, please look at your Bibles. Part and parcel for a disciple to be made, Jesus first says, is baptism. Look at what he says in verse 19. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so number one, we make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we begin to obey the Great Commission when we are involved in evangelism and when we are involved with people becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. And as we baptize new disciples in the name of the Triune God, what are they doing? They are proclaiming by their words and actions and lives that they have become disciples. The placement of baptism, as we see in this verse, is very important. The placement of baptism, as we see here, is that baptism is not a graduating right of a disciple. It is one of those initiating rites. Baptism is not something that someone takes when they have finally arrived but it's rather something that is administered once someone comes into the family of God. Baptism is given to all those who believe in him. And the point of baptism is in the fact that we are involved in people becoming disciples and new disciples want to proclaim that they are members of new families, which is what baptism is all about. So again, I know when evangelism is mentioned that some of us might say, well, okay, you know, I'm not an evangelist. Uh, that's not my gifting. My gifting is, you know, say service or mercy. So this doesn't apply to me. I like to reiterate that the Great Commission is for all disciples, regardless of our special gifting. And if your gifting is service, or if your gifting is mercy, what better venue for sharing God's love to a disciple, someone within the context of showing mercy and serving that person. Now we come to the second part. Teaching is the second subordinate clause to the Great Commission. And teaching is part and parcel to what it makes, what it is to make a disciple or make disciples. Now, every Christian is involved in teaching one another. Every Christian is involved in teaching within the home and sometimes within the church, be it a cell group, be it Sunday school, or even one-to-one -one mentoring or discipling. And notice that the word used, or, or notice that Jesus uses the word teaching. He doesn't say, you should go out and give your testimony up. Although that could be a very helpful 
thing to do and even important as we teach and we share the gospel but our testimony in itself is not the gospel we are called to teach not even just to give stories or fill our bible studies after reaching a passage after reading a passage and we say how do we feel about this passage we are called to instruct we are called to help people understand and that means that each of us each of us needs to understand what it is to study and study well so that we are equipped with the word of god not to impress people with fancy words not to show anybody that i'm extra intelligent or you're extra intelligent but to understand it so well so that we can boil it down in simple ways so that people can understand it so well and grasp what we are teaching we do that with our children right suddenly there is this question on trinity and we try to break it down and we give our own illustrations so we do it we do that with our friends sometimes and we should do that with one another just as christ did it with his disciples he didn't use big languages big words but notice that jesus says that not just to teach them but he also tells them what to teach what does he say teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you now many people when they quote the great commission typically they will come to this part and sometimes leave out a certain portion of it let me see if you'll notice it teaching them all that i have commanded you did i say what it's exactly written what did i miss that's right teaching them to observe all that i've commanded you now that word is very significant and it actually changes the whole meaning of that sentence one is about just teaching and the other one is about teaching and applying that word observe in many translations would or in other translations would say obey or even to keep now in teaching the nations to observe something we are teaching them to obey we are teaching them to keep these to carry out these things in all of life we are not teaching this so that they may have big heads but we are teaching this so that they may have big hearts and lives fully living out their doctrine and all that has been taught to them we are not just teaching them how to give lip service but we are teaching them how to live these things out in all of life and so the word of god is clear on this matter we are to teach the people of god to keep and to observe a disciple is not just someone who believes but a dis- disciple is someone who believes into the faith and that true faith leads to a life of faithfulness and following lord jesus christ fully and then that verse says teach them to observe all that i have commanded you or in other words it means teaching them to observe everything i have given to you or everything i have taught you now what does that mean to us it means that we are called to go forth and to teach and not just to teach some aspects of the new testament or even some aspects of the old testament or even just the gospels but we are to go and teach the nations to observe all that christ has commanded in all of scripture that's why 
you know, preaching the whole counsel of God is so absolutely important. You know, Jesus says, these are things that I have commanded, not, not things that I've suggested, not options for you to figure it out. <clears throat> so what did Jesus teach and what did he command? Well, he commanded not only what's recorded in the book of Matthew, he commanded not just what is recorded in the gospels, but what's recorded in all of scripture, because he is the fulfillment of all scripture. Remember um, the part that says he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. So this means that we go, we would go and walk in his footsteps, shining as a light to the world, going and teaching all that I have, that he has commanded, teaching people to observe it, to keep it so that they will pass it on to their children. The problem that has happened for many decades is that many people have gone out and taught certain elements of scripture, or they have maybe sometimes simply gone out and shared just the gospel. And in doing so, if they have not taught all that Christ commanded, if they are not taught the whole entirety of the scripture, then what happens is these people go away later on, having only tasted certain elements of the truth. But we are called to give them the entirety of the word of God. Now, this is indeed a great and high calling for all of us, but it also helps us recognize the all-rounded nature of the Great Commission. That we are called not just to go and make converts, that we are called, that we are not called just to evangelize, but we are called to make disciples and to go and teach the entire word of God, and we ourselves walking by it. In other words, the Great Commission is equally concerned with evangelism and sanctification. It is equally concerned with people becoming disciples and people living as disciples. God's will for your life and mine, individually and corporate, corporately, is that we make new disciples and we make fully devoted disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we do it? We teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So the Great Commission involves content. It involves doctrine. And theology is not a bad word. Theology is a good word. Because that's, what's a, that's what we are supposed to be teaching. And teaching starts with basic theology. And that's why we are preaching a 52-part sermon of the major events of the Bible. Because we, all, because we want CBF to have the overall picture. We want CBF to have the pivotal events, the main pillars that tie the building together. So teaching involves basic theology, but it is more than that. Teaching involves advanced theology. Everything that Jesus taught his disciples. Everything that Jesus taught his disciples, they are in turn to teach the next generation or they are in turn to teach others. And that generation in turn is to teach everything what Jesus taught to the generation that comes after them. Now, it doesn't matter if, you know, that doesn't mean that we all need to go and get into seminary and become seminary professors. 
but it does mean that each of us must move beyond theological milk to theological meat. You know, that's what Hebrews 6 talks about. It says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction of washings about washings and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. He says that these are all good, but basic things that you have to move on to meet. And the Great Commission is the Great Commission is not only about doctrine, but it's also about our lives. It's all about ethics, how we live, how we observe, how the truth of God's word that we have learned changes us. The Great Commission starts with being an example, and the Great Commission starts at home. The Great Commission starts at home because it starts with me. I cannot impart to anybody something that I am not. And if I do not know the truth, then I cannot teach the truth. And if, I, if that truth is not, and that truth is not transforming my life, I cannot model it to anyone. So then the Great Commission grows from individuals to families, if you have one or to others, and the Great Commission moves to our children or to our grandchildren, or perhaps the, the children in our Sunday school. So we look at the first part of the Great Commission and say, okay, I need to teach them. So we read the Bible, we, read, uh, we learn about the Bible, we teach them to pray, we teach them how to walk, how to talk to God and to, how to walk in Christ, and we make the most of opportunities day in and day out to explain the character of God to others and to our children. Brothers and sisters, I want, to, I want this to be very uh, emphatic. Maturity in Christ cannot be taught. Maturity in Christ is caught and not taught. Our children will not desire God above all things if we do not desire God above all things. It is as simple as that. And we have to ask ourselves, are we living in such a way that our children want to know God? And so here's the hard question. Are our homes a safe place? Are our homes a learning place? Are our homes a place of discipleship? Are our homes a great commission home where it is safe, where we are teaching and modeling God's truth? Like I said, discipleship is hard work which is why we do not like to do it many of the times. Discipleship involves making difficult choices on ourselves, of limiting the exposure of the world to ourselves. And honestly, it is a lost art. It is a lost art for the most part, but we can become joyful once again as you and I desire God more than our worldly or sexual pleasures or wealth or even entertainment. The Great Commission starts at home. The Great Commission will never be fulfilled if we try to do it only on Sundays. It will not work. It's, it's impossible to work. It will only get to that stage when we are in community. When we teach one another, when we share with one another, when we are accountable to one another, when we laugh and cry with one another, 
the Great Commission then expands to the other nations. You know, the Great Commission is not about me, myself, and I. The Great Commission is about us look, learning to look out through God's love to our families, to our neighborhood, and to the world. And if this all sounds too difficult, Jesus ends with a note of encouragement. My version, it says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And in, uh, in Philip's version, it said, Behold, I am with you always. And the gospel ends as it begins with the announcement that this baby is Emmanuel. This baby is God with us. That's how the gospel starts. And that's how it's ending. And I'm, I'm reminded of the words in Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Love of God in Christ Jesus. So I want to remind us on one thing before we close out. When we look at Matthew 28. And when we look at verses uh, 16 onwards. Jesus comes and tells us, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And hence he says, go. And then he reminds us again in the end after saying go, that behold, I am with you always. The great commission, the command to go is sandwiched between words of assurance and words of power. And that is the basis by which we go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded. So may we become great commission disciples. May we learn and may that learning transform us and may we observe it. And then may we move into relationships where we can teach, encourage and model. And may we become a church that reproduces disciples for the glory of God alone. May his name be glorified.